can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Good, because it's time for our review of Doctor Who Series 12, Episode 7. Um, what's it called again? <laughs> can you hear me? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I really I just done it. <laughs> I thought I'd catch you off guard. I already did, it worked. <laughs> Nicely done. So hello everyone, we're back again. It's took us a while to get this review out. <laughs> I think we're episode behind now. Yeah, yeah, we've got some catching up to do. Once again, life's got in the way. Um, Blame those Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we did mention that in the last podcast. Uh, Doctor Who broadcast on a Sunday is not really counted. It's not really. Uh, it's not good for recording podcasts. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then what will work in everything it's just mad god <laughs> <laughs> so yes um, we're actually talking about episode 7 can you hear me and it's been um, two weeks since I've watched the episode can you even remember it <laughs> <laughs> did you get what? a rewatch no I haven't had to, I haven't had time to rewatch it I, d- I do remember it um, I think sufficiently enough <laughs> Hopefully it's not a lot of guesswork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think you remember most of it? I think so. Um, so, what connects the nightmares of a young girl from 1380 Aleppo to strange happenings in the present day? Who is the shadowy figure who appears in the night? And what have they got to do with a young woman in the far future, trapped in an impossible prison? Time catches up to the Doctor's friends, whose wants and dreams are set on colliding. They must now embark on a mission that will draw out their innermost fears to be confronted. So this episode does have an underlying theme, mm-hmm. which wasn't apparent initially. Um, it's not something I was expecting. Um, maybe themes is the theme of this series. <laughs> <laughs> it looks that way, yes, yeah, so the series theme. <laughs> is having themes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very thematic. Um, actually, to be honest, I did uh, I did pick up quite quickly, uh, for once, um, that this was a, a story that was likely to be looking at um, mental health. The only reason being was because um, when we cut to uh, Aleppo uh, quite early on in the episode, and we're following this um, this character... And she arrives at this place. I was thinking, oh, this this looks like it's um, a mental health hospital that mm. you know th- that that they had in the fourteenth um, century. So I picked up on that because I remember uh, some time ago I was watching a, a documentary which was about Turkey, and there's areas of Turkey which have um, the remnants of these mental health hospitals that they had at the time. And the idea was that you know they're very tranquil, very relaxing places. Um, so the historical um, set design uh, was was on point. So I picked up on that quite quickly. Mm-hmm. It was this lush, establishing shot of Aleppo, wasn't there? Mm, yeah, With yeah. The, the citadel towering over the over the city, mm-hmm. reminiscent of um, of what you of what you know to be now, but um, kind of set in the period. It was a cool shot. We got to see it in, in the daylight and the night. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, it was 
very nicely designed, very well, very well uh, made. Yeah, it was. Uh, it should have been the setting for its own story. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but we'll we're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that shortly because I've got some yeah. things to say about that. Um, we're introduced to Tahira, and of course she's in this in this hospital, and she's on the run. She's been thieving. She's aware of these creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly the reason the reason she's there in the first place. Um, they must think it's just a figment of her imagination. <laughs> and then we get the claw, which is very cool. Yes, I thought that was I thought that was really rather good. Um, so we we just see this claw wrap around this woman's face, uh, and then she's just yanked off screen, uh, which I thought was a very uh, very effective, creepy. Um, and I think you know would have been quite scary for um, you know, uh, quite a few um, younger viewers. I thought that was very effective. I do, I do have to say though that I do think it, it's it's such a shame that we then immediately see the actual full monster a few moments later. Yeah, I think it would have been quite good. I think because we we made a similar comment to um, the monster in Orphan Fifty Five, even though that was a good design. Maybe it would have been a bit more effective if they pulled if they pulled back a bit and not showed the full monster. And I think yeah. on this occasion, uh, it would have been quite nice had the had the monster been shrouded. I don't mean show it, but I think it would have been quite nice had it been shrouded a mystery for a bit longer. I think it was revealed mm-hmm. a bit too quickly, personally. But and it was blatantly uh, like a practical shot, wasn't it? This head that comes into shot, mm-hmm. and then. I assume it was blatantly kind of a CGI shot that we we'll see of the creature later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one more for practical effects, just because I think they're much more um, effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the tangible quality. That isn't to say that I think CGI. Even, you know, uh, you only have to look at um, cinema and, and television of the '90s, the noughties, and now. Even CGI, just in terms of Doctor Who itself. CGI effects from 2005. It's sort of the CSI of the um, color separation overlay. Sorry, of of the you know the problems that they had in the 70s. It's sort of it looks dated. Uh, you know, mm. so we've come leaps and bounds. And CGI can complement um, physical physical effects and so on. But sometimes CGI it it does stand out a bit. Um, but actually, I thought the CGI in this episode was quite effective. Um, mm. But yeah. The practical, even though I think the monster was revealed a bit too quickly, I think the practical effect of of the monster's head uh, was realised quite well. So straight after the opening titles, the TARDIS arrives in Sheffield, and they're all taking the day off, catching up with everyone. Um, I'd assumed the Doctor would be going off to the ruins of Gallifrey. Um, well, she she might well have been off screen um, now and then, but seemingly not. Um, in the TARDIS goes a bit grim looking inside and we see a very sinister looking Ian Gelder who briefly appears as the immortal Zelen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. In fact, because um, Ian Gelder, in terms of Doctor Who, he provided the voice of the remnants in the Ghost Monument uh, and he played Mr. Decker in Torchwood Children of Earth. So um, so he has been involved in the, in the show a little bit before. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was quite effective, the way that Zelen is introduced in the episode. Um, 
I mean, it's always quite concerning when something can infiltrate TARDIS. Uh, I think we've, again, we've, we've said about this, when there's a bit of mood lighting in the TARDIS with this particular set, and it reflects um, either the mood of the Doctor in some form or uh, danger that's around. Um, the choice of colour, the, the cinematography, the direction, and all the rest of it, it um, it's very effective, and I think it looks great. And um, because it was all... Sort of darkly lit in this dark blue, and then we have Zelen, who's all you know, this mysterious character, all dressed in black. It was um, it was a very effective introduction. So Yasmin arrives home, and it would seem that the reason they've arrived on this day, um, would be for the anniversary of something for Yas. <laughs> Three years since she returned home after running away, or um, was there something else that we don't know of? Hmm. Yeah. There could be a bit, a bit of substance to Yasmin's character going on here. Possibly. Well, I'm pleased you mentioned that because I thought uh, maybe I missed a, uh, missed something because I thought maybe it was something to, initially to do uh, celebrating something to do with the um, with the parents or the death of her grandmother. Um, I thought I missed a, a, a clue. So so um, no. Okay. So I'm pleased that's not the case. Um, but yeah she she arrives to to celebrate something but she's she's a bit late so it's uh, because her parents are out uh, and it's just her sister that's there yeah but you're right it could just be the death of a um, family member couldn't it Mm -hmm. and then Ryan goes to see um, Thibault yes Uh, and I think at this point you know if if you hadn't picked up on the the possible uh, themes of uh, the story is going to be looking at mental health uh, then I think it's at this point you, I, I think it really starts to cement, doesn't it? Yeah, and he um, brings his friend some chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which um, I thought, you know, I thought that was great. That was that was a nice scene. Um, so you know, he's you know he's welcomed in, but his friend who he hasn't seen in, in quite a while is um, clearly a bit shaken, shaken, uh, and um, seems a bit scared of the outside world and is troubled. Yeah. I thought the performance of it was uh, of, of Tubo was uh, was really really good. Yeah, and then um, considering he's supposedly Ryan's best mate, yeah, um, obviously exhibiting some noticeable um, weird behaviour, um, which has caught Ryan's attention. Yeah. So there's clearly something going on. Mm-hmm. Ryan's aware of that, um, and Ryan's trying his best. You know, they're playing um, they're playing FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He hasn't done his dishes and things like that, so everything's a bit off. Well, yeah, because it's established, you know, he, you know, someone who's you know just relatively quite clean and tidy. Um, yes. So things are starting to slide a bit. Uh, his behaviour is slightly off. He's clearly missed Ryan an awful lot. Feels that he has been abandoned a little bit, which I think is perfectly understandable because he hasn't seen him for months. Um, so is I thought, just just as a mate, he wasn't like his flatmate. It's possible, actually. It wasn't implied, was it? No, mm. no, I, I just thought it was uh, that they were just friends, um, mm. not flatmates. But uh, I thought that the way that this was written and performed, I thought was really rather good. Uh, and this is when we start to establish that this character, Zelen, who we saw, is clearly going to be the main villain. I mean, we, we knew that anyway. Yeah, he's not only been uh, in his dreams, but also been manifesting himself in his bedroom at night. Uh, you know, that's bloody creepy. And oh, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he's also been doing the same thing at uh, Yaz's house. So, so we start to see this character more because we, we're seeing this. 
Graham has um, a different experience. Yeah. yeah, completely. It's of course it's all it's all part of the big plan. It's all the lure. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is a very different experience. Um, so he sees this. Um, he sees galaxies far, far away. These two planets that look like they're about to smash into each other. This woman trapped inside a ball, clearly wanting to be free. I wonder um, why the why Graham in particular was given a different experience. Do you think um, Yasmin and Ryan were in a better position to um, be defensive of someone that they care about? Possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, uh, Graham was maybe it was because uh, he was seen as the more sympathetic and the more likely to respond to it. I think yeah. Yaz and Ryan would have been a bit more sceptical, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out that the Doctor goes back uh, back in time um, to um, the site of the attack earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the place seems to be deserted and she identifies it as a hospital. Yeah. Um, now this is the first mention of people with mental health problems in the episode so if you haven't clicked on by now um it's it's become apparent yeah Yeah. um uh, she mentions the enlightened way of the islamic physicians Mm -hmm. um which i'm guessing this was some kind of spiritual therapy um but you mentioned you you said that was the probably the case if she'd said this about um 14th century england um, that would have been sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. No, because it, it, it's uh, you know it's historical. Uh, it's on st- historical record, and uh, we actually have the implements. So, in terms of surgery that was taking place, uh, the Islamic world was actually really rather advanced. Um, from opposed to trying to just um, drill it out someone's head <laughs> quite literally. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because well, medicine in um, the Western world was was based very much on what the ancient Greeks believed, which was you know the, the balance of the four humors and so on, um, and that disease was carried by um, foul air and so on. Um, that isn't to say that, but whereas the Islamic world, uh, particularly because what she's talking about specifically here is with regards to um, surgery. And their enlightened uh, way of handling mental health. So the fact that they had uh, these places of relaxation uh, and places of th- you know, therapy um, for people experiencing mental health was enlightened. It was years ahead of its time, if you like. So I thought it was quite nice being mentioned. I think the dialogue where she says that is a bit clunky, if I'm honest. You know how you said earlier where you feel that you know the the setting of Aleppo is 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 really interesting uh, in terms of in of itself and also the this historical setting of it and the way that the way that it was established the look of it the set design and so on was really good and as you said uh, it could have been deserving of an episode in in of itself so we're in ancient Syria which is a really interesting um, setting for a story and one of the one of the the problems I have with this episode is. The way it hops with these, with these different locations. Now that in of itself isn't a problem. You can have a story which you know. In this case, it ha- it's in um, present-day Sheffield, when ancient Syria, and then later on we'll get to it. I don't because I don't want to jump too far ahead. But then we're um, on a, a spaceship in a galaxy far, far away. 
later on in the episode. I think those set these settings could work. I uh, I don't think it quite works here. Um, I feel like the story just seems to hop around and it doesn't quite gel. I don't know if you felt mm. the same. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the only purpose of I going back was to bring um, bring Tahira forward. But then, arguably, she doesn't. Uh, I mean, it, I think it could be argued that her character and her story doesn't really um, aid anything with the story, other than the fact that um, it brings in this monster. And I don't know whether you did, but again, I cottoned on the fact that this was a this was a monster that was manifested from her uh, from her mental anxiety. So it's a science fiction way of exploring mental health. So th- that's interesting, and so. Um, the the mental is manifested in the physical, um, so that could have been quite interesting. But I don't think again it's something that I, it feels like an element that's just chucked into the episode and isn't quite as delicately woven in as it could have. No, it feels like a tool that's um, just there to service the end, possibly. Mm-hmm. I liked how she um, she came out of the TARDIS in Aleppo, just talking to her companions who weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because uh, again, because I thought uh, what she was saying in terms of the uh, in terms of the context was fine. I think just the the dialogue of itself was clunky, but I like the idea of it. Yeah, she's just <laughs> you know, she's just she's just so used to having them around. She doesn't contemplate that they may not be. Yeah, I th- the idea of the scene I liked. I think yeah. perhaps more than the execution in terms of the writing of it. I mean, uh, because I think um, Jodie Whittaker performed the scene quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't got a I haven't got a problem with it from that from that point of view. Yeah, and of course she finds Tahira, and she's with the monster. Mm-hmm. I guess there was a, a connection with Tahira and the monster initially, but I was confused at why the creature spared the Doctor. I thought, oh, that's convenient, but um, of course this would have been a direct effect of um of Zelen. He wouldn't have wanted to kill the Doctor because it was all part of the lure, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And Graham's with his um, his bus driver mates, are there? <laughs> yeah, I think so. When he's, when he's playing poker. Yeah, I, I like that scene. I like those characters, and you know, there was some, there was some nice humour. And then we see uh, Graham have that that experience of of seeing uh, that woman that's trapped, um, but he's still dealing the cards when that's happened. And then he just cuts out of it. And uh, going, <laughs> I, th- I think you lost count, Graham. Um, so there was there was some nice humour. I, t- I like that scene an awful lot, actually. I thought it was quite nicely handled. Going back to Ryan and Thibaut, mm-hmm. um, there's a nice little scene where Thibaut confides in him. Yeah. You know, a- about something completely unbelievable and re- like and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's certain Ryan would like laugh at him, but of course he didn't. Yeah. Um, which is mainly down to Ryan's own experiences mm-hmm. like, of the unbelievable. And I think... Um, I guess with respect to the the greater message in this story, it's it's an important thing to know and um, to know that seeking help and confiding in someone isn't always going to go get the response like that where someone laughs in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, people can be understanding. I guess um, it's quite an important message to convey. Yes, and I think you know. So yes, you're right. Uh, that message is certainly there, as well as the messages. You know, th- be there uh, and at the very least listen. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, be be someone how, who can listen, and uh, even that can provide an awful lot of support. So yeah, uh, that, yes, I agree. I think that's uh, that was a very important message, and uh, with that, with this scene particularly, uh, handled really rather well. Yasmin's with her sister, 
Sonia. Mm-hmm. And she's telling us some of the places that she's been. Um, Gloucester being one. And her dad thinks it was Russians. <laughs> um, so this tells us that the world hasn't actually been reintroduced to the idea of aliens being a matter of fact. Yes, um, that's true. Uh, which as well is as something fact... I was concerned about when the Jadoon popped up. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that, was, that episode was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. But then also it just reminds us that, you know, uh, Yaz's father is a bit of a conspiracy theory nut. Um, sometimes it can be a bit on the... You know, quite close to the truth as we've seen in... Uh, uh, Spyfall, um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> space rhinos. <laughs> in reality, you just think that's a guy in a mask, but <laughs> everyone had one glimpse at them. They were they were sure it was space rhinos. Yasmin falls asleep watching the movie. I hate people that do that, but I'm guilty of that myself. I've only done that once, and it was actually when I was at the cinema, uh, but that was many. <gasps> <laughs> I don't know. It was many, many years ago. It was a. Uh, I was absolutely tired, but uh, arranged to meet some friends, and we went to see. Uh, it was a Bollywood movie or an Indian movie called uh, called Don. It wasn't the original one from the seventies. It was this absolutely over, overblown. It was quite fun, but uh, I could see the. Uh, I could see the. Um, there's this twist. Um, I could see a mile off because it deals with doppelgangers, uh, right. and then I ended up falling asleep. Then woke up about uh, half an hour before the end, and uh, when I said oh, I clocked the I clocked the, the twist, no one believed me. And when we were sleeping, yeah. oh, I saw my laugh when it was obvious. <laughs> 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 yeah, but what I do remember fr- from it was uh, it had uh, it basically ripped off the the beginning of Moonraker. Um, okay. If if you've seen Moonraker, you know the bit where uh, Jaws pushes Bond out the plane and he has to fight in midair to get a get a parachute. Um, yeah. They basically ripped that off, uh, <laughs> and there was there was the song where they're singing. I think they're singing about banana leaves, and I remember really liking the song. <laughs> oh. But it sent you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, the rest of the movie did. The, the, those were the good bits. Anyway, <laughs> um, Zelen appears to Yasmin and Tibo. Um, or rather, Sonia and Tibo. Sonia and Tibo. Um, Ryan walks in and sees him. Um, I was glad that happened, but um, it would turn out Zelen wanted them to walk in. <laughs> One thing I didn't get: how did they, how were they able to see that Zelen had tattoos all over his head? It was like so dark. Maybe they saw the publicity photos yeah, for the episode. Maybe. <laughs> they were both like, "Yeah, the guy that had the bald guy with tattoos." Yeah, no, no, funny like, enough, what I tattoos? Was, <laughs> I was the same. I only knew he had tattoos because of uh, a publicity photo before the episode. Oh. I went, "Oh, he's got tattoos." Uh, but yeah, in the episode, it was just, uh, "Wow, they've <laughs> they beat the spec savers." Um, very good eyesight. Um, yeah. Now this is the this is the moment in the episode where. I started to get a little bit disappointed with it because I thought, you know, how we were talking about, you know, Zelen, he's this very, uh, you know, mysterious character. He's clearly the threat. It's going to be interesting how this pans out. He's been established very well. And then the whole thing with the fingers becoming detached from his ha- uh, from his hand and then going into uh, to Bo's ear and then sucking out his dreams. I can't really rationalise this. I just wasn't keen on it. If you can sum it up in one word. Silly. Silly. <laughs> I don't think that's the word they were aiming for. 
No, I think what they were the word that they were probably hoping we would say was creepy. Um, I think maybe it's one of those ideas that perhaps works on the page, but maybe not the. I don't know. I just I just couldn't I just couldn't buy it. Mm. Which is a bit odd. Which is a bit odd for for a show like Doctor Who, which has a, yeah. a space and time machine encapsulated inside a police box. But uh, but for, so uh, but for some reason I just thought this was a bit. Um, I don't know. I just didn't buy it. And I just thought it. it I just thought it um, because it was a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I just thought it removed the um, the mystery and the suspense and the potential creepiness of the character at that point. I suppose, but from Zelen's perspective, some of his victims are conscious when he attacks them, so it might um, induce the bad dreams a little bit. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Else. I mean, if 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 I woke up and there was. <laughs> There was a dark, tall, bald figure with tattoos dressed all in black in my bedroom who I didn't know. And then his fingers become detached from his hand. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be freaked out. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe it was one of those things... Maybe it was one of those things where it is a good idea, but because it's a TV... Sh- it's it's a children's TV show... Re- well, children watch it. Um, they can't go too far down the creepiness route. So, so I think maybe it was a disconnect from maybe fully realising the idea. Because as mm. I said, I think probably, you know, kids would kids would watch this and be, you know, creeped out by it. Fair enough. I don't know, mm. I just... Um, uh, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, probably. But Do you think it, it could have been um, more graphic if it hadn't been um, for the, um, the audience issue? Well, I think it's just... Right, okay, so he shows his hand and then the fingers become disconnected. I think what I think what it is is because if I think about it, it was just that right. He's if that's all he can do, which is disconnect the fingers from his hand. The only thing he can seem to do that would threaten you is poke you in the eye. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but then it plugs into uh, the guy's ear, and then I can't really rationalise it, which is a bit of a problem when you're doing a podcast and you're trying to critique an episode. But uh, I just thought it was just faintly ridiculous. It, um, Maybe maybe the threat could have been manifested in a different way, but maybe or maybe uni- unique to each person. Yeah, yeah, that could have, actually that could have been quite an interesting way to go about it, mm. and probably and actually would have tapped into um, the mental health issue. You know, because yes. even though there are um, you know there are similar they could you know similar patterns or similar diagnoses that one could make with with mental health, people obviously experience it in different ways. So yeah, I think that probably would have that would have been far more effective in terms of the theme of the episode uh, and would have established Zelen's, um, uh threat uh, and what he was wanting to do later on when, when his plot is revealed. So yeah, actually, I think, Rob, you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that probably would have been a much more effective way to do it. So the Doctor is with Tahira and um, the Doctor gets a call from the fam. Of course, they're all in trouble. And she doesn't hesitate to bring Tahira with her. Mm-hmm. So Tahira becomes a bit of a Nixon. <laughs> Just jumps on the jumps aboard the TARDIS, no problems. Um, we get to see the telepathic um, circuits again. It was the last time... Was that from um, Going to Hell in Darkwater? Um, I think the last time... Most ju- recently, I mean. Yeah, I th- it was certainly during the Peter Capaldi era, but it was when it was the squishy uh, bit of the TARDIS console. 
when someone mm. plugged themselves. I can't. I can't remember what episode that was or who, who I, used I it. I think but... that was um, Clara. Was it in Listen? Was it Listen? Oh, yes. It yes, it was. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but do, don't they also use it to track track down Danny when he dies? Because he dies in um, Dark Water, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. And then um, the it takes them to the facility where the um, the Matrix data slice is mm-hmm. with Missy. I think you're right. Actually, I've forgotten about that. Maybe. Yeah. What happens in Listen? I'm sure they do that as well. Yeah. Yes, because the telepathic circuits take Clara to Danny because. It turns out there's a family connection. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the because they they'll have a descendant, which then gets um, kind of erased when Danny dies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bit confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Stephen Moffat either. Of course, it was confusing. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that was the last time it was seen. Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, that was, uh, it was a, a squishy bit in the TARDIS console. This because we'd seen shots of. Um, Graham with this thing on his head in a trailer and some publicity photos and I think I certainly thought this was the case that maybe he was using the chameleon arc because it had yes. that similar look so, it's like, oh. so when it was oh it's the that makes sense um, yeah yeah. that would have been a cool idea though the chameleon arc Graham has been a time lord all along <laughs> No, I thought what it was, it was just that uh, somehow they use it so that uh, Green becomes the Doctor temporarily or something like that. Oh, yes. Oh, they should do that for an episode. Oh, yeah, they should. Oh, Bradley Washer as a Doctor, that'd be good. Um, yeah, they should do that. Chibbers, if, it. Yeah, Chibbers, if you're listening, make it happen. Probably won't, considering I've just called him Chibbers. I don't know where the hell that came from, but anyway. So anyway, the, the telepathic circuits take them to a space station in the distant future. Mm-hmm. Um, half a galaxy past the the guest gone straits to be precise ah uh, I know it well Yasmin finds a section covered in fingers like USB sticks filled <laughs> with nightmares yeah yes it's never explained why yes it is because the the nightmares are being channeled from the fingers to the to the prison but did Zella but Z, it wasn't actually explained that Zella made that spaceship was it didn't he nick it I guess so, yeah. So or maybe only fingers were compatible with this technology that he nicked. Oh, all right, okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Doctor quickly comes to the conclusion that this orb in between planets is a prison. Now, you'd think someone's imprisoned for a reason, if it's a prison. Yes! Now, when... So, when it was this thing, and then they're all rushing around and going, we must release her because she's in a prison... I was just going, hang on, <laughs> just like, hang on a second. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up a bit. Um, <laughs> so when it's actually revealed that uh, the Doctor's fallen into Zelen's trap, because Zelen had, uh, has concoct- concocted this whole thing um, d- to release uh, this woman who's in, who's in the prison, and it turns out uh, she was <laughs> she was up to no good. And it was just, I was just like, well, c- colour me shocked. Yeah. Uh, not. It's the same principle as the Pandorica. Like, look at the fear that went into making this. They wouldn't just put nobody in between two planets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just went, uh, yeah, I was just going, well, she must, <laughs> she must have done some serious shit. Maybe she just, maybe she should stay there. But um, what's interesting uh, is at this point is that when they, when they cover this sort of backstory, 
uh, the episode has this section where it's all animated. Yeah. Which I like I th- that. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was really nice. So there's a, there's a bit of a story. It sort of it has this mythical quality to it, uh, where it's talking about uh, you know, these two godlike beings and this for their own amusement. They're they're setting these two planets at war, uh, but then eventually, over many many years, possibly even centuries, the um, the the populace of these planets cotton on and then imprison this crazy bitch. That the Doctor yeah. decides, decides to release. Stupid bloody woman. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so, so the way that that was all, uh, that was all done and, and, and the animated style and everything I thought was uh, really rather nice. I liked that a lot. I picked up um, on the fact that a few people thought it was a bit, a bit out of place or a bit daft. But you know, it came and gone. It's only one, one little scene. I thought it was good aim. Um, Good little bit of visuals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I can I can understand uh, it not being everyone's cup of tea, but uh, you know, the, I for one quite liked it. Um. So before she's freed, Zelen attacks them once more mm-hmm. with his fingers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yasmin dreams of that mysterious day. She did tell Sonia earlier on that she sometimes dreams about it. And in this instance, she is dreaming. <laughs> little connection there. <laughs> Ryan's fear of falling out of touch with his life back home is reflected here um, as we see his mate Thibaut, now an old man, and the world seems to be on fire. And then, is it the dregs? Yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved it if it was loads of Vilmas. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because I think it (laughs) should have been just loads of... (laughs) <laughs> just go, Betty! Oh, just over and over for all mm. eternity. That would be everyone's hell. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, though, um, the fact that the dregs are there, um, given that it's a possible future for Earth in Orphan 55, mm-hmm. clearly means it's had some kind of impact subconsciously on Ryan. Well, we know that episode had, a, had an impact on all of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> just any or uh, just any or any opportunity to 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 mock over from fifty five and keep kicking you the damn thing to death. Um, yeah, so th- that was actually interesting. So he, uh, um, uh, Ryan's fear is you know, uh, abandoning his friends um, and the destruction of Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we see, and then we see Graham's um, fear, uh, which I thought was. Um, really nicely handled and quite impactful and obviously his fear is that his his cancer will return mm-hmm. and of course Grace is there as his doctor I believe this is the first time I've seen Grace since it takes you away yes yeah yeah that's right but yes this reflects his fears he's worried about um, how much time he's got left mm-hmm. um, and it's not something that's really been mentioned since um, the very first episode I don't think Apart from his treatment, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think, yeah, because I think it was uh, it was just established in uh, the woman who fell to earth, which was that you know he had, uh, you know, he had uh, cancer, has gone into remission, and yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think that's the only time it's been mentioned up until now. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was a good uh, it was a good character moment, and I think handled quite well. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, w- uh, the doctors is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all we've got to say on that. No, um, you do remember what it is, don't you? 
but the timeless child. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What actually happens in that scene? What is, is there anything said? No, no, I don't think anything's said. We just uh, we just basically see a little bit more of what's already been established. But uh, right, yeah. So, so I we, I'd missed something. Yeah, no, no. It was just uh, so that uh, strange location with a purple sky, and we have this. Uh, what is this? Presumably the timeless child looking up at the sky, and the doctor's there. Um, but maybe it's uh, she doesn't she doesn't fully understand it or grasp it. She just knows that there's a question that needs to be asked with regards to it. And we hear mm. the, the, uh, and then because she just seems to promptly wake up from it. It's no more mystery than we got, um, back in Spyfall. Yeah. Doesn't add to anything really. <laughs> I think it just works as more of a reminder than anything. This is, this is still a thing. Uh, going back to, sorry, to Grace and Graham. Yeah. Um, it's possibly another one of his fears here. Gr- Grace says, why didn't you save me? And he replies, let me try again. Mm. I wonder if given the chance, he would. I, I do get the feeling this isn't the last we've seen of Grace. Whether yeah. it's, it's just a vision or something, you know. Yeah, but, but it's interesting um, that the, the actress uh, who plays the part, who um, frustratingly her, her, her name eludes me at the moment because she is bloody good. Um it's interesting that you know she, she, she's uh, willing and able to um, uh, to pop up uh, for these these cameos because it makes sense. You know she she was in the woman who fell to earth and she had a big part there. And then when she comes back in uh, take you away, um, you know she, she's a big part in that episode there. But here she's only only for a minute. But uh, you know she, she she's willing to, willing to come back. So. Um, yeah, maybe we will see her again. Well, this could be a hint of the reason Graham's there. Um, if he does want to try and save her again, um, it reminds me of Rose in Father's Day. Mm. And mm. it becomes clear one of the reasons um, is um, saving our father. Um, so that might be on Graham's mind. Maybe something that surfaces further down the line. Yeah, it's possible. Um, the Doctor meets Zelen for the first time in the story. Mm-hmm. He's watched us stumbling around the universe. We immortals need our games, Doctor, he says. Yep. Um, but he makes a distinction here. Um, the Eternals have their games. The Guardians have their power struggles. For me, this dimension is a beautiful board game. And he, he name drops the, the Celestial Toymaker. Yes, uh, which I thought was, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, name, bloody name dropper. I thought it was, uh, it was quite... It was quite a nice nod to to fans who who would pick up on these things. I think to to general viewers who wouldn't be aware, it's just that you know these are they are the, just these mysterious, powerful beings which he is similar to. He's just mentioned, um, so it works on on that level. Uh, but obviously, fans like us, you know, we know the Celestial Toymaker. I mean, that's going back to the Hartnell era and the you know the Guardians and uh, the Eternals. So yes. it was uh, it was. Quite a nice reference. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good reminder to fans of the new era that an immortal doesn't exa- doesn't necessarily just mean Jack or, dare I say, a shielder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. Uh-huh. Zelen goes on to kind of label the human condition. The cruelty of their own minds directed towards themselves, the doubt, the fear, the endless voices telling themselves that they're incapable and unworthy. Um, which ties in ties in with the theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. 
about our own our own selves sense of not being worth anything you know yeah well that, that, that idea of that, that idea of self-doubt which we all experience to a greater or lesser extent uh and i just think it's it's part and parcel of what it is to be human you know we we have these doubts and we question them but of course he being the villain you know he just sees this as a weakness to exploit what i thought was quite nice is later on you know that the doctor actually goes well no because you know we, we overcome these we're a lot you know we're strong uh we're remarkable we're capable um mm. which i thought was a good uh a good counter to that yes and it's revealed this was all orchestrated for the doctor pick a lock and of course, like you mentioned earlier, when this um, this other immortal is freed, we get that neat little animation. And then her and Zelen head off to Earth to feed on nightmares. And there's this scene in the kids' room, mm-hmm. which I didn't appreciate, you know, because I, I have kids and um, it's the kind of conversations I have to have at night. <laughs> yeah, the boogeyman doesn't exist. Yeah. He's just going, <laughs> your mother's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a lot of parents appreciate, yeah. appreciate that scene. Oh, actually, something I've just remembered. Um, when the Doctor had a vision of the timeless child, I heard the noise of a ticking clock, the same noise that Ruth's Doctor heard. All right, okay. Yeah, that is interesting. Might not mean anything, but I'm, it's something I noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she wakes up. How the heck did she get that Sonic? <laughs> There's going to be fans everywhere practicing with the Sonics so they've mastered that. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. They're going to be like gunslingers, just like whipping out the Sonics. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I did think that was ridiculous. I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, again, I think we we've talked about this in the past, but one of the th- I do think the Sonic screwdriver gets overused an awful lot. Uh, uh, and I think Jodie Whittaker's doctor is the, is the worst offender. It just seems, you know, e- every given opportunity, the sonic screwdriver comes out uh, and it just quickly resolves it, you know, because, uh, you know, John Nathan Turner, uh, the producer of Doctor Who throughout the entire 80s, he came in for, you know, he's come in for a lot of flack, um, some of it warranted, some of it not. One of the things he was criticised for uh, even some of the colleagues he worked with was that he didn't understand uh, plot or story. But actually, he was responsible for taking the sonic screwdriver out of the series, uh, and the reason being was because he said it was it was too easy. Uh, it was a tool that too easy to get the Doctor out of any given situation, so it affected the drama of the series. So write the damn thing out. Now, I totally agree with that decision don't get me wrong you know i think it's it's you know the song screwdriver is I, I, I part of the part of the iconography of the show i quite like the sonic screwdriver but when it's overused like this um you know it, it it does affect the drama and it is too too easy a tool um so i do have a bit of a problem with the song screwdriver in the new series but but uh, you know it is what it is um what yeah. was ever the real reason behind the ray-bans sunglasses. I feel like that was Moffat's they kind of kicked a BBC market and you know how they're always wanting to market um, (laughs) radio control Daleks and selling screwdrivers. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know what? Because I think I'm in a minority here because I know uh, a lot of people had a a big problem with the Sonic specs. I really liked them. The only problem that I had uh, had an issue with was the amount of times it had, uh, 
you know that because it could access the internet and so you constantly had that joke about you know don't check the browser history yeah uh, it wasn't funny the first time please don't keep repeating the joke that's the problem i had with them i quite like other than that i quite like them yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah going back to the scene so when you know the, the doctor's uh is um I don't know, sort of like effectively handcuffed, handcuffed with an ear stuck in her ear, uh, with a, a finger stuck in her ear. Uh, so she gets a taxi driver out, and it's quite has blink and you miss it type moment. Really, it, it was quite funny. Um, the immortals quickly return to the future as Dallin hears the creature calling from across the time waves. But the Doctor has a plan and confronts him. To hear us overcome her fear somehow, and now controls the creature. Yep. A symbol of conquering your own fear. Yep. Um, we didn't see her challenge overcoming her fear. <laughs> no, we didn't. So in that sense, I think I, f- I felt that the the conclusion just seemed to suddenly rush up at us. Mm. Uh, um, one problem I had, these immortals, they're possibly the most dangerous villain we've had um, in recent memory. You know, yeah. when they're unleashed, it's like there's some angry gods out there who can't die. And mm. all they do is terrorise a street, give them some bad dreams. Uh, yeah. And then they're dealt with pretty quickly. Yes. Um, it feels like the the biggest villain of the series. Um, it feels like they should be. Uh, so when it was Or at re- least they could have got up to got up to more danger, you know. Yeah. Became more of a threat. A yeah. really, really bad threat. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. So, um, the threat that they potentially pose is thrown out the window. The atmosphere and the mystery surrounding them is quickly thrown out the window. And yeah, as you say, you know, they're suddenly unleashed. <laughs> and you just see them walking down the street. <laughs> um, and my mind was just wondering, going, I wonder where that is. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't particularly gripped by it. I didn't think it was very effective. I felt it was a wasted opportunity, to be honest. Um, mm. I was so I was I was very disappointed actually with the villains, um, mm. which considering that as a main part of Doctor Who and obviously the episode, um, yeah, I, f- I was disappointed by them. Yeah. Mm. We see that there was a purpose for that scene earlier where she learned how to remote control the fingers. Which I thought was a bit of a random scene, of <laughs> yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. As storytelling goes, it had a purpose. Yeah, yeah. Do you think these um, enemies could return? Or should they return? Um, If they do return, they'll just have to be tra- um, trapped again, won't they? It's yeah. More of the same. Yeah, I mean, if, the, if they do... If they do return, I'd want the threat to be a bit more substantial than than how it's realised here. I mean, to be honest, I thought... I mean, I, I'm not particularly keen for them to come back. Which is a I shame. I don't think they serviced the message really well. No. Um, you think the um, the main obstacle for, um, for someone with mental health issues would be someone ignorant who doesn't want to help rather than... Um, just <laughs> some kind of immortals, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Actually, I think end of themselves, the idea there's there's an interesting idea there. They could have posed more of a threat. They didn't really. Um, and yeah, you're right. It it did feel a bit disconnected from from the um, 
from the main message of the the story but then that's the problem that i have with the episode as, as a whole that there's all these ideas or these elements and the way mm. that they're presented does it doesn't feel like it connects effectively so you know you've got these villains as i said um the setting of a, a aleppo and what's established there doesn't really doesn't seem to really fit um the way that the characters behave is a bit so you you're aware of the the functionality of of the script. I mean, because you got the you got the story. The script is there to to function, telling that story. But um, but you disguise that functionality through um, through you know um, smooth progression of of, of dialogue uh, and the development of characters and so on. And I'm just sort of really aware. I think this episode probably needed. A couple of more rewrites and it would have been a, uh, probably a lot closer to what they were trying to achieve it just feels a little bit rushed mm-hmm. the issues with struggle with mental health is mm. such a such a, a broad way of identifying um individual um cases and with all the characters it's sometimes you you're trying to focus on what is actually the problem with this person what and what is the contrast between all these different problems so maybe these individual characters um could have had a bit more explanation mm-hmm. about um what what the issue is of course with yasmin we still don't know what the problem was yasmin got some help um it becomes apparent that yasmin got the help from the police officer um just talking to her and kind of empathizing with her mm-hmm. apparently changed yasmin's life and she visits the police officer three years later, showing us how just because in a single moment you can be at your lowest point, you can move forward from that and kind of be in a more positive place yet again. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, th- so it turned out that three years ago, or three years prior to The Woman Who Fell to Earth, Yaz was contemplating running away from home. As you said, it wasn't actually est- you know established why. I think you know you could come up with perhaps your own conclusions, but uh, but yeah, she was wanting to run away from home. She encounters this policewoman. They have a have a conversation. I liked th- that scene, uh, and then afterwards, uh, towards the climax of the episode, because um, following the conversation that they have, there's this thing of going, look, if you're in a happy place, three years time, and everything's worked out well, <laughs> come and see me and give me fifty pence. And that's what Yaz does at the end of the episode. And I like that. I thought that was good. Ryan and... Um, oh, I keep on forgetting the character's name now. Ryan and his friend. Um, Tabo. Tabo, yes, thank you. They have a nice scene together. Uh, and then and then what's interesting is uh, then Graham uh, and the Doctor are having a conversation. Uh, and, the, you know, Graham's opening up about, you know, the nightmare he had and that he has... You know concerns and worries about you know what if the cancer comes back and, and so on which was an interesting scene i th- i'm interested to see what what you think because uh with regards to this bit because i know a lot of people have reacted quite negatively to this so what happens is you know with with uh you know graham's opening up to the doctor and is waiting for the doctor to say something and the doctor doesn't uh, mm-hmm. uh, and feels a bit sort of like socially awkward. Uh, so, sort of apologises for the effect and goes, I know this is the, the bit that I'm supposed to think of something, um, but I'll get back to you when I thought of that. Yeah. A lot of people have reacted quite negatively negatively to that. 
um, saying that the feel that you know the Doctor was was cold and um, it was out of character and so on. I disagree um, because I think um, the reason why people didn't like that bit because they felt that the Doctor was should have been able to to, to comfort Graham and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, that had been established with the bit about Yasmin uh, with Yaz. Uh, you know, she had someone to talk to, and so on. that's handled quite well. And um, uh, with Ryan and his friend, and then I think what this scene depicted uh, was that you know sometimes you know uh, people don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and it, the scene was exploring that side of things as well. I think that's an important point. Um, yeah. Yes, the Doctor doesn't have this empathic response that you'd hope for. Perhaps, ironically, that was because of her own issues. She mentions like social awkwardness, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing on the spectrum of um, of mental illness. Nevertheless, it does come across a bit rude, seemingly shut down, <laughs> shutting down on him. Um, but maybe the response wasn't the point of this scene. Um, I think my personal experiences of getting help with issues I've had, I've found that simply talking to someone in a position to help can kind of be help enough mm-hmm. um, so I think kind of finding the strength to move forward and just kind of talk to someone about your problems you know sometimes that that can be enough and um, I think it's a it's an important step you know regardless of what the um, response can be um, of course no one's going to know um, how to respond when you catch them off guard and tell them something that um, they weren't expecting to hear yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I didn't have a a problem with the scene, and I think Graham's. Um, I mean, unless I was reading this completely wrong, but um, I thought Graham's reaction. She, he didn't seem disappointed or, or angry at the Doctor. Not at all. No. Uh, you know, he because you know, he was understanding of what the Doctor was saying, uh, and um, you know, was I think just happy that at the very least he was you know he was able to say something. Yeah. So I, I get that, but I, ho- I hope it doesn't send the wrong message to people that talking to people um, is going to get them to shut down on you. No, no, yeah. Well, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah hopefully not, hopefully not, yeah. <laughs> Coming up to the conclusion of the episode, Ryan, with, with regards to his fears, um, he says to Yaz, is this our future? Um, they're kind of missing the lives they've left behind. Um, and the Doctor butts in, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. So um, there we go. On to another story. <laughs> Just like that. So on to listeners' responses now. Christopher Brett Hall on Twitter said, Kudos to them for wanting to tackle mental health issues. I just don't think it was done effectively. Our characters don't defeat the villain by overcoming their problems. The Doctor just plugs the thing into the thing, then poof, sorted. Great action by the villains, just a naff story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say it was entirely naff, but yeah, I think largely I, I agree with that. I do think that's a good, uh, quite a good sum, summing up. Um, yeah, I agree. It was good that uh, Doctor Who uh, was attempting to um, to tackle mental health, but yeah, I think think uh, we're in agreement really, which is just a shame that the, the execution didn't quite work. Yeah, and I mean, perhaps some of the. Um some of the issues the characters were facing weren't addressed head-on. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that reminds me, um, Ryan's dyspraxia hasn't really um, been referenced, has it, since the last series? 
Uh, it may have been referenced... Oh, I can't remember. I think it's been referenced once in this series. Oh, I wish I could remember exactly. But yeah, you're right. It has largely been dispensed with. Mm-hmm. I always thought since the woman who felt the worth, I thought it would have been part of Ryan's arc. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we'll see him riding his bike um, in his last episode or, or overcoming something similar. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Rob Keeley said, oh, disappointing. For 40 minutes, that was proper, scary, well-constructed Doctor Who with the best, most understated villains in ages and then all over in a flash again and then 10 minutes of boring dialogue as we do social issues of the week endings. Yeah, I quite like that. I agree certainly that the uh, that the ending was rushed and actually it's I, I feel that um, going back to the, the, the previous comment which was that the, the villain wasn't overcome through... Um, really dealing with the, the mental health issues is if it, it, it just just seemed to be rushed a little bit um i think by the sense of it people are going to be agreeing that um there were good things about the episode and it was a good thing thematically that the episode tackled but it, it was it was just a little bit dis- disappointing on the whole but yeah on Instagram, um, Elizabeth Sladen, this is obviously a tribute page. Oh, right, um, I was going to say bloody hell, what? <laughs> really loved it. It developed the characters well, whilst also telling a compelling story and continuing the story arc. That's quite refreshing, actually. Uh, obviously, completely at odds with what we think and did, the other, person, other people's feedback that were received. I think I quite like that. At least, you know, the, um, someone really enjoyed the episode. Because uh, mm. I don't particularly relish... Um, you know, um, deriding something too much. Uh, that's quite refreshing. I like it. I, I'm pleased there's someone um, that that really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I agree that the, if there is a strength in the episode, I think it is probably the characters themselves, yeah. um, and the way that they develop during the course of the episode. So yeah, I think um, I agree with that in the sense that uh, the characters are the strength here. What's your conclusion and what would you rate it, do you think? I thought that the idea of, of the story was was a good one. It has good moments in it. I mean, I liked the characters. Uh, I liked the actors. I thought it, I thought it was... Um, you know, I liked the design, the design of it. Um, so th- there are things to commend the episode for. But also, I was uh, a bit disappointed. It did feel a bit disjointed things didn't quite connect in the way that perhaps they they should have uh, I didn't think that the villains were um, utilised particularly well again it was sort of one of those things potential there that wasn't used um, so I was a bit dis- I gotta admit I was a bit disappointed with it as I said I, th- I think it's quite good that you know we, we've we've got an episode which which looks at the themes of mental health Doctor Who can can do that and uh, and as I said, there are moments within this episode where it does do that, and sometimes it does it quite effectively, but it doesn't seem to follow through. Um, and I, I was, I just felt a bit cold and a bit disappointed by the end of it. I've given it a five out of ten. Okay, I went down a similar route. Um, I think initially it might have been an ambitious story to tell, but it it does kind of fail getting its point forward. Um, the message was a little bit um, incoherent and possibly not um, delivered to the um, 
the audience as well as maybe it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a bit of a disconnect between the story that was being told with the villains yeah. um, and the theme of the story. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an important message, but possibly a forgettable episode. So um, I've given it a 6 out of 10. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, gr- I agree with that last point that you made. I think it's 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 largely forgettable. I mean, I think we've done quite well considering we haven't watched it in two weeks. Two weeks, I know. I've managed to remember most of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I remember it more for being a bit disappointing more than anything else. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, on to our bit of Doctor Who trivia. Usually we ask the question at the beginning of the podcast, but... Not today. We forgot, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, my question to you, Liam, is what is the name of the only known existing episode to feature the Celestial Time Maker? Oh, I should know this because I quite like it. I know it's episode four, the Celestial Time Maker. Um, yes. Oh, what's it called? Is, that, is it called the Celestial Toy Room? It's not, is it? I believe that's the first episode. Yeah. Maybe uh, wrong. No, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, oh, oh, is it the, is it the final game? Or has it got That's fun- interesting because when I wrote this question down, I thought it was called the final game, and when I went to double check, it wasn't. It's not the final solution, is it? The final test. Ah, I was going to say the final solution yeah. would be a bit, you know, would be very distasteful. Um, the fi- <laughs> and you had final in it. Right, the final test. Right, okay. I got one word. I got, yeah. I got one word right. Great, get me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, though. Um, so mine is. I've, oh, I've realised. Anyway, right, okay. Which televised fifth Doctor Who story did the Eternals first feature? First feature. Hmm. Oh. Well, the only. I think they only featured in one. Right. Which televised it... fifth Doctor Who story did the Eternals feature? Is it Enlightenment? Yeah, bingo, you got it yes, right. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> when you said first feature, I thought they were kind of seeded in early, and I missed something. All oh, right, no, no. That's good. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. So we'll be back next week with our review of The Haunting of Villa Diodati.